from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio City. See ya, senor. It is a dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today, on Tuesday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. The Russian military, as in, what is going on with the... The Russian military is our yes. general manager. Yes. Subheading. Exactly. What is going on with the... Yes, Russian military. That, that was two thes, though. The, the Russian What's going on with the Russian military is my question. That's many people's question. Okay. Yeah. And we've got some uh, breaking news to hit you with and all that sort of stuff. So uh, glad you joined us today. Crank up that music, Mike, man. This is an intermation party. Oh, yeah. You have never been to a party with this much intermation in your life. <laughs> you know how many parties you walk out? You're not only you didn't learn anything, you're dumber from having attended. Right? You're dumber from having shown up to the party. This party, you walk out of the party smarter. We had it catered. Catered with intormation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one of the breaking news bits today is Shell Oil announced just a little bit ago that they're no longer doing business with the uh, the Russians. So one of the biggest oil companies in the world, another one of the biggest oil companies in the world, saying we're no longer doing business with the Russians and their oil. I'm scanning my highly flawed memory banks. I think this is the most astounding coming together. Yep. Of the many countries and corporations on Earth I have ever seen. Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's something going on psychologically. I don't know if it's the pandemic or um, years of it feeling like democracy and reality were on the retreat. Um, we talked a little bit yesterday about the uh, the number of American soldiers that are going over to join the fight, and and one thing a lot of them say is this is just such a good, clear fight. You know, I was involved in fights where are we doing any good? Should we even be here? Whereas this one, it's clear cut. They're bad. We're good. And I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah, and I think after the retreat of the Soviet Union, we we began infighting so much. I mean, we're fighting over the fifty three, or is it fifty six genders, and and a hundred other. Yeah. You know, social things and and often dopey things and and trying to find that last tenth of a percent of satisfaction in a soft, prosperous society. And all of a sudden, we're reminded of, oh, that's right, good and evil, freedom versus oppression. We are under threat, as humans have always been. Uh, Perhaps we can rally to the cause. Is it just the reminder that there is such thing as evil? Just people that just do bad things. With no justifiable reason whatsoever. Particularly uh, megalomaniac political leaders who David French wrote a really interesting column the other day pointing out that these people have always, always existed. I mean, the Bible has all sorts of stories about uh, the uh, the great uh, leaders of history who decided conquest and military victory was was their glory. As opposed to, you know, the other qualities of good leadership. And, and so Putin's Putin's an old, old story. Yeah, yeah. This constantly um, acting like countries do what's in their best interest all the time, so you can just figure out well, what's the, to their to to their advantage. Well, especially in autocracies where one guy makes the decisions, whatever his psychology is, you don't know what his psychology is. What what makes him tick? Whatever makes Putin tick? Whatever makes she tick? That's what they're gonna do. It might not be the smart thing to do. 
Well, right. History is riddled with terrible, terrible mistakes. Bad sure. ideas. Sure. Um, Hitler invading Russia was a terrible idea for, for Hitler. Almost ima- unimaginably so. Right. Um, so to your question, the Russian military, what's the deal with it, or whatever your question was. Close enough. I was just listening to uh, one expert on one of the cable news channels talking about uh, you know the nature of communism. So uh, see the way the Communist Party in China handled the COVID with everybody uh, keeping it quiet and lying to each other and all that sort of thing, letting it spread out around the world. So uh, corruption is another problem with uh, communism. And they've had, while they've spent a ton of money over the years on their military in Russia, it's been siphoned off by so many many of those billionaires with the yachts and Mm -hmm. the villas next to George Clooney. It's money they stole that was supposed to go to tanks and planes, apparently. Yeah. And that's why Russia doesn't have... uh, They're flying... I heard a bunch of different reports. They're flying using, like, their their iPhone GPS. I mean, because they don't have, like, the super cool technological GPS. They're flying around with, like, iPod GPS in their planes. Holy cow. Um, they're, they're using airplane parts that, like you order online and get shipped to you, not military grade specifically for, because they just don't have that stuff. I read you that Twitter feed from that former Russian diplomat. I think it was yesterday, and I was pleased to see his thread is being picked up by the New York Times, among others. And he describes the very thing Jack was talking about, how the, uh, the oligarchs, especially the milica- military contractors, have... Um, who are intimately tied with the leaders of the Russian armed forces, have been siphoning off all the money and buying yachts in Cyprus, as he put it. And you dare not report up the chain what's happening, because, you know, Putin's right-hand men are grabbing a share of it. Putin himself is probably grabbing a share of it, but they probably believe that it was just, you know, grabbing a few percent around the edges. But surely, yeah, our fighter jets are, are among the best in the world. Are 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 people the best trained? Our tank columns are ready to just lay waste to any anyone who would dare, uh, you know, uh, take us on. Well, not so much. I also am starting to think that we are going to find out at some point. Like it took a long time to find out the way the United States was arming the Mujahideen in Afghanistan against the Russians. Charlie Wilson's War. When did that book come out? It wasn't till the nineties. I'm not talking about the stupid movie. I'm talking about the excellent book about how uh, one congressman got really invested in us arming, which turned out to be Osama bin Laden. Different story. Uh, arming Osama bin Laden and his friends against the Russians. And, and most of the world didn't know that the United States was arming all these guys in Afghanistan that way. And I wonder, I think we're going to find out where we are. We know we're arming the Ukrainians, but I think we're going to find out to a level we had no idea how much stuff we were getting in there, mm-hmm. which is really helping them slow down those uh, those tanks and planes. Well, what's known is really, really impressive. Yeah. yeah, I'd say so. How about we start the show officially? There you go. Stick to the to the plan. I think I've developed. I think I've developed a lisp. Does anybody develop a lisp later in age? I don't know. Maybe if your teeth go or your tongue swells. Yeah, that's a good point. Have you lost any teeth lately or anything like that? I mean, because that would count with my tongue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to take a minute, folks. Stand by. No, I won't. Four or okay. five. I got, got them all. <laughs> um, <laughs> Beautiful. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, March 8th, the year 2022. You listen to that show where they joke about not having any teeth? That's a good show. <laughs> New you in 22. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. 
All right, here we go then. Officially according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at Mark. President Biden spent the weekend at his home in Delaware, but eventually the Secret Service found him and brought him back to the White House. (laughs) Wow. Is that just an old man wandering off joke? Yes, that's that's such a... Just a... uh, What's the German word? That they use for Weltschmerz. No. Yeah, uh, something like that. Um, Achtung. Gesundheit. <laughs> Volkswagen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> it's such Zeitgeist. a. Just, yeah. Uh, it's just such a, a, a worldview that Americans have of the president being an old man that even the lefty, you know, jokesters make jokes about our president being so old he just wanders off. <laughs> Come on. Boy, here's a head spinner for you. Oh, that's funny. What if that widespread perception, which I believe to be accurate, mm-hmm. was, as a lot of experts believe, a major factor in Putin deciding, look, I'm going to take Ukraine. American leadership has never been this weak. And then he makes the fatal misstep that brings down his empire. Ah, one of the great counterfactuals of history we'll never know. Would have he invaded if Trump had won? If Trump picked up another, what is it, 85,000 votes and, and was president? Um would Putin have done this? Or, or anybody else who is at least reasonably mentally competent? <laughs> who knows? We'll never know. Well, Afghanistan didn't help. That didn't help. No. No. It, 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 the whole Iraq thing didn't help. As you know, the New York Times, as liberal and pain in the buttish as it is, often does good foreign policy coverage. They said you know, sloppy American belligerence and European pacifist dreams have contributed to not wanting yeah. to confront Putin in a real way. Well, this will be my last 400 level geopolitical comment for at least this segment. Um, I hope people have learned that these little. Uh, 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 instances or demonstrations of weakness lead to a bad war by letting aggressive bad people start something that will lead to a giant war. World War III could end up coming out of us, you know, the the, the horror of of doing such a horrible job in Afghanistan, for instance, or letting him take Crimea. Weakness invites aggression. Weakness invites aggression, and the aggression can lead to, like, a really horrifying war, which could still happen. Right. Um, anyway, how does a mailbag look? Well, I just want to say that's an absolutely terrific point by a guy with single-digit teeth. Congratulations. <laughs> mailbag is outstanding. We could do the entire show of mailbag. That might be, as a ratio, the best analysis to tooth count. <laughs> You're really going to American media. Yeah. <laughs> Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The non-intervent non-interventionist wing of the Republican Party, which seemed to be growing over the years, and I could understand why after Iraq and Afghanistan and a number of other things, but uh, man, it has dwindled to nothing in recent weeks, according to polls. Maybe we can talk about that in the whole forever wars um, 
talk that was so big there for a while? Sure. I'm a non-stupid, poorly conceived, and poorly executed interventionist myself. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. Actually, quotes. This is the one we were looking for from Napoleon yesterday, I believe, Jack. Morale is to physical as three is to one. Yes. That is the quote. Yeah. Yeah. Taking a look at the Ukrainian forces. How true is that? How much more power is a military that is motivated by, you know, heart fighting for their country, fighting for their kids, fighting for their kids' future, as opposed to these Russians who are coming in. They were lied to. They're just being told to do this. They feel like they're killing uh, relatives for no good reason. And most of them are draftees anyway. Right. So, And uh, Napoleon thought that's a three-to-one advantage, at least in this case. I remember uh, Mike Lyons uh, characterized the Russian advantage as something like seven or eight to one. That's a fairly agreed upon uh, figure. Well, if it's uh, even eight to one, well, if the morale is three to one, it's getting closer to a fair fight. And I'm not trying to sell any sort of fantasies of glorious Ukrainian victory because it's still horrific. Oh, yeah. They're getting pounded and pounded as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. Ukraine. Anyway, uh, another freedom-loving quote of the day from Vladimir Zelensky. Um, a number of people have sent this along. I think it's fabulous. This goes back to his inaugural, uh, inaugural address in 2019. He said, I do not want my picture in your offices. The president is not an icon, an idol, or a portrait. Hang your kids' photos instead and look at them each time you're making a decision. Yeah. Yeah, that is something. Holy I came, crap. I came across that the other day. Um, how, how much about better him? is that than uh, the way a professional politician looks at the world? How about him broadcasting from his office yesterday? He went back to his office and did a little address. Here I am. In my, I'm in my office. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not hiding. You know, I love that. I love the feel of it. And I hope he gets the hell out of his office as soon as possible and yeah. goes somewhere safe. Yeah. Anyway, mailbag. <laughs> Sage from San Diego writes, guys, what if Poland invaded Western Ukraine under the guise of joining that Russian ouster of Nazi forces. Hey, we don't like Nazis either. We're going to take Western Ukraine. That's pretty good. Poland could invade and occupy the region before Russian troops arrive, then annex the occupied region, putting it all under NATO protection, and perhaps maintain plausible deniability that it was directly fighting Russia. That's hilarious. You need to be in charge of something. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out why that isn't actually a good idea. If NATO just went along with it and said, yeah, Nazis, thanks for alerting us. We've been fighting. Not- That's why we're designed. So, yeah, let's go in there and get those Nazis. We'll we'll control Western Ukraine. You take Eastern Ukraine, and we'll get rid of all these dang Nazis. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Putin. There's a Nazi under every bed. It's a good point. And then, she, then Sage signs off. I'm not sure it's a Mr. Sage or I think it's a Mr. Yeah, uh, signs off glory to Ukraine. Thanks, That's brother. That's fantastic. Jishan writes, so now it's okay for businesses to care about human rights around the world? We can hold the Olympics in China, but don't do business in Russia. NBA has the Ukraine flag on their jerseys now because it will make them money. Ennis uh, Liberty Freedom was thrown out of the league for doing this, but now it's okay. Slavery is okay, just don't invade. Got it. Well, I think we we crossed some sort of tipping point. I, I definitely think the Olympics played a role. I think the whole world looked at the Olympics and felt oogie. This is wrong. What are we doing here? I think there's, this, this is, is repugnant. Some, I can't take the smell. I think some of what's going on now is a reaction to that. 
Here's a really interesting note about uh, the problems of Russian embargoes, some of the things that Russians have huge supplies of um, from somebody in the aerospace industry, um, which I'd like to get to in a little bit. Well, you know, we have time. Uh, One aspect of the Russian uh, boycott embargoes is raw materials used in manufacturing. Much of the world's titanium and aluminum is Russian-sourced. As the material dries up, the price and supply is going to contribute significantly to inflation and recession. Uh, he mentions his career in aviation. Uh, we're required to use domestic or Canadian materials. However, in these defense contracts, there are carve-outs for Russian aluminum in larger size orders. America is unable to produce enough aluminum for our own defense projects and relies on Russian materials. How do we get here? The big aluminum producers, Alcoa in particular, have been buying up smaller companies and been shutting down facilities like Standard Oil did in the oil industry. They want to produce proprietary products for the big users like Boeing and outsource the off-patent products to offshore mills. I'm sure this makes sense to accountants and financiers who run the big companies, but it's jeopardizing American manufacturing and military production. For the smaller companies that use aluminum, we're forced to use old 1940s alloys since the new stuff is unavailable or too expensive. One more cost of globalization to national security. Nice note, Mike. Thank you. Um, so for a while there, it seemed like the Republican Party was going non-interventionist, anti-war, pretty strong. Uh, latest poll shows, eh, not, not so fast. Among other things we can talk about, if you miss an hour of the show, grab it on the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Before we get to the most interesting thing I've heard about Ukraine today, um, Marco Rubio said yesterday, why do we keep falling for this whole Russia declares a ceasefire crap? Why don't we just ignore that guy? I agree. What's the point of that? Is anybody falling for that at this well, point? I mean, it I gets see announced, it reported. It gets announced in the media, and then I hear various yeah. uh, people say, well, this is possibly good news. And why, oh, why does anybody Lord. pay any attention whatsoever? He waits till people get in line to leave the country and then shoots them. Yeah. What the yeah. hell? Let's so much of the news business is just people with symmetrical faces and white teeth. I mean, they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, so here's the most interesting thing I've heard, and then we can discuss this, is Richard Engel of NBC News. The Ukrainians are not uh, convinced that the peace talks will achieve much, but they do seem to have uh, achieved a uh, something already in that the Russians are lowering their demands. If you listen to what Vladimir Putin has been saying since this conflict began and even before, he talked about total denazification, to use his termina- uh, terminology, total demilitarization, regime change, total surrender by the Ukrainians. And now the Kremlin is saying, well, there could be more limited options if Ukraine uh, accepts uh, the sovereignty, Russian sovereignty over Crimea, accepts Russian, uh, the independence of Donbass, and vows never to join NATO or the EU, then according to the Kremlin, they would stop the war immediately. But that is a far cry from total annihilation and regime change. So do you think there's anything to that? The only reason I would think that there is, is Putin has got to find some way out of this. Unless he's completely nuts, and I don't think he probably is, there's nothing good that's going to come out of taking Kiev and occupying that country. Nothing good. 
No, no. And I, I have a mental picture going right now of the brave Russian hunter sunk up to his knees in the mud, screeching that the alligators had better surrender. And with all due respect to the, the horrors being perpetrated on the poor Ukrainian people, including little children, which is just unimaginable cruelty, um, they're in a quagmire, and it's getting worse. And maybe they're going to bring to bear all those awesome forces we've been talking about. Well, but so when we. it gets to urban fighting, it's going to be it's going to be worse than a quagmire. It's going to be a nightmare for the Russians. Well, and he's got to be recognizing that the free world, including the United States, is ramping up to arm these guys like crazy. So, well, I mean, and on the economic side of it, oh, the, yeah. this the the government sanctions turned out to be a fraction of of what was going to be wrought upon Russia, right? With oh, all yeah, those that. companies and corporations announcing, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of this kind of funny text. If you can find humor in this. Uh, so far, the Russians have been cut off from CNN, YouPorn, and Facebook. They're working on depriving the Russians of a Coca-Cola next. If they keep these sanctions up at the current rate, Russia will have the healthiest and most well-adjusted country on the planet <laughs> in a few months. Oh, boy. <laughs> no YouPorn, <laughs> CNN, or McDonald's. Where oh, do we boy. sign up? I, um, I see their point. Yeah. Uh, back to the horror. Um, so so do you buy the possibility that uh, Putin actually is, you know, retreating on his demands? The, the, the bar is coming down to, to what needs to be met. Not that I am certain Ukraine is going to or that we should agree to those. Agreeing right. to Ukraine will never be a NATO country gives him the power to decide who gets to be a NATO country, which seems like a terrible idea. Right. Well, I suspect. Although, how that about that... we lie to him? I say we just lie to him. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That sounds good. NATO. Uh, Ukraine can never be a NATO country. Uh, got it. You pull your tanks out, and then. Yeah, and then in two years, when we we sign yeah. the papers, you lied. You lied. Uh, says sorry about Putin that. With tears streaming down his face, please. <laughs> uh, so back to your question about, um, you know, the the state of negotiations and and Putin and Russia's point of view. I, I suspect that. You know, in the past, and we've talked about this, we're going to talk about it more with Jeff McCausland at the top of next hour. If you don't get next hour, grab the podcast later. Um, Putin has been getting wholly fictional accounts of how prepared his armed forces are for the fight. I mean, highly fictionalized accounts as the uh, various oligarchs and defense contractors have been siphoning off cash. And they've got a, a much more hollowed out ground force than anybody suspected. Anybody. Those those accounts and descriptions of how the military is performing and how it's equipped are getting more realistic, I think, by necessity. I mean, it's clear what's happening, and so Putin's getting more and more realistic view of what the capabilities are and aren't of his armed forces. I think after another week or so of what I suspect will be really, really tough sledding, we're going to see another change of at least several degrees of change of, of Putin's thinking. That's awesome. That that would be the best case scenario at this point is for him to come to the realization that this is a horrible idea and figure out a way to test to, to, to get out. That'd be fantastic. Well, and I'm I'm trying so hard not to engage in wishful thinking because they still have many, many shells they can rain down on apartment complexes while they declare ceasefires for humanitarian exits and then bomb the crap out of the poor women and children trying to get out of town. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's more awfulness to come. So, not to get off on a different topic, we'll probably discuss this later. I I take in a lot of podcasts by like your heavyweight, um, current and former policymakers 
the mood toward no-fly zone, I'm telling you, that is moving. There is yeah. movement there. And the, the, the right or wrong, depending on how you look at it, images end up on our TVs of horror there in Ukraine. And it could flip on a dime, I think, public opinion on that whole thing. So we'll see. Um, kind of speaking to that, a new poll released this week from Quinnipiac found that 80% of Republicans believe Biden has not been tough enough on Russia. This is pretty amazing poll, given the fact that both Trump and Biden ran big on no more foreign adventures, no more forever wars, no more of this, you know, let's, let's, let's care about our own borders and our own this and that. And mm-hmm. and uh, and then that had been, you know, the, the, the feeling for the Republican Party and the Democratic Party for, for now for quite a few years. And you can understand why, because of the way Iraq and Afghanistan looked. Uh, but 80% of Republicans say Biden has not been tough enough. Only 2% say Biden has been too more. Are too tough. Only 2%. Yeah. Well, and I saw the overall numbers, too. I hadn't seen it broken out into political parties, but the overall numbers, which I... Do you have those in front of you? No. Okay, I just... I My memory of them is that the plurality said the, uh, the measures, the sanctions have been just about right. Then there was a substantial minority that said they need to be tougher. They're not tough enough. And a very, very small minority, I think it was 11 or 12%, something like that, said it's been too tough. So it's it's very, very few people who believe that. So, yeah, the, the feeling of squeezing harder is definitely upon the land. I want to uh, break on time so we can talk about this crazy San Diego professor. But um... No, 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 no. The pre- professor isn't crazy. No, the no, situation the, yeah, is crazy. The, the, the crazy professor story. Sorry, I stopped. I, I was just going to say, if you are a if you are a member of the administration of San Diego State University, please do stay tuned. If you're one of those who's cowered in the face of the youth brigades who would enforce their Maoist silencing of professors, and you've you've cowered in their face, well, you're about to sow this, reap the seeds of cowardice. Uh, but one more thing on this. So you talked yesterday about how you know. Uh, it's, a, it's an old saying that uh, you're, you're always fighting the last war. Um, so a lot of the reaction to things that go on now are because of the government, the military, the populace, uh, the feelings that we got coming out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, but the point being made that Ukraine is such a completely different situation in that they were already a democracy they want us there, and as soon as we boot out the bad guys, they want us to leave and go back to running their country, as opposed to showing up in Iraq and Afghanistan, which they've never been democracies ever in their history, and trying to force it on people who don't want a democracy and don't want us there. Right. Those are very different things. All we got to do is get Putin out and get out of the way, and they go back to being a democracy in Ukraine. That was not the case in Afghanistan and Iraq, where we were going to build an entire civil society from the ground up. Right, which of course, right. Was ridiculous. The, well, and Iraq is very different from Afghanistan, sure. too. But the they absolutely the idea, the ongoing mission in Afghanistan was very much like the mission in, in Iraq. We're going to establish a Jeffersonian democracy here, where nobody wants it, and they hate us. Right. Right. Um, okay, so all that. And uh, you can join us in the conversation. Oh, yeah, we got to get to the whole, uh, 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 this is kind of breaking news. People close to the president say he is on board with cutting off Russian oil. 
So uh, that's going to be some interesting politics. All this stuff during the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Why does it feel like half the time when you go to print, it's out of paper? I know it's not accurate, but that's what it feels like to me. Like half the time when I want to use a printer, it's out of paper. Or like me after a big night, it's impossible to wake up the printer. It's there on the network, but you just can't wake it up. Uh, so we are going to have a lot of stuff about Ukraine for you. The state of the Russian army. What's going on with that with Jeff McCausland next hour? If you can't get the next hour, grab it five podcasts later. Um, but we're also going to do a bunch of stuff that is not Ukraine, including I've got all sorts of great information about education, the crisis in American education, the things that need to happen. For instance, and we touched on this story yesterday, but more has come to light and it is just astounding the state of our universities this happens to be a story about san diego state university a fine fine university in one of the most wonderful cities on earth it involves j angelo corlett who's a uh, or corlett a tenured philosophy professor who last week was relieved of his duties teaching two courses one on critical thinking the other on race and racism it's worth knowing he is an acknowledged expert in these fields, highly respected, very, very experienced, and beloved by generations of students. So Corlett told the San Diego Union-Tribune he'd used an informational slide in his classes that listed 10 to 12 epithets that have been used against black, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, and white people. Hispanic and Latino. What's going on with that? Anyway, um, he says... Uh, the the 63-year-old professor, who is Latino, says you have to mention the words in order to explain why they are racist, should not be used, their origin, that sort of thing. Some students are confused about what counts as racism, and some are more concerned about being offended than learning about the logic and science of language. But imagine if you, if you did a class, if you stood up in front of like grown-ups, in, in theory smart grown-ups, and said there are a number of words that have been used throughout history. To demean certain races, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but just let me do. I'll just let me tell you this: those words exist. I mean, how weird would that be? <laughs> well, and it goes further than that because of this guy's field. The word I can't say. The origin is a uh, an old English word I can't say that refers to people I can't refer to, and it accuses them or suggests that they are something I can't tell you. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> So on March the 1st, an unidentified black student who's not in either of the classes stopped by and repeatedly challenged Corlett's mention of epithets, particularly one regarded as a very offensive slur against black people. Corlett said he responded to the visitor in part by verbally mentioning epithets to illustrate the nature of the lesson. He claims he did not encourage his students to do the same. Later that day, Corlett was notified by the university he would not be teaching the courses for the rest of the spring semester as two courses. He's still teaching a different course. Um, said Luke Wood, the brave, brave San Diego State Vice President for Student Affairs and Campus Diversity, quote, we've had a number of students who have come forward and who've complained about their experience in Professor Corlett's classes. This has happened this semester, but has also been a routine experience. In other words, the whining little Marxists say they don't like hearing the magic, magic words. Um, 
Corlett says he's used this teaching. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Wood said uh, this is really a case of a faculty member who is being reassigned. This is not about free expression or academic freedom, but about teaching assignments. What a liar. Then he goes on to say, and, and this, Mr. Wood. Well, and surely, a coward. Just be a coward. So if you believe this crap, stand by it. If you don't believe it, well, then stand up for the other guy. But don't take the middle ground. Uh, it's just an assignment situation. Right, right. And listen, Mr. Wood, I'm sure you, you have children or parents or brothers and sisters who love you, people in the community who respect you. If you are being terrorized by the little red guard students into saying things like this, I have some sympathy for you because I understand the nature of universities these days. But if you mean this stuff, you need to be hounded out of education because you are either a coward or you are on the side of evil. He went on to say this was about actions, not about freedom of expression. He declined to provide further detail as to how that could possibly be true. Corlett says he's been using the same teaching technique for 20 years, notes that he's written widely on the subject, including publishing the book Race, Racism, and Reparations, quote, and he says, I am not a racist. I neither mention nor use racial epithets beyond the classroom, obviously. Uh, one of his I feel colleagues... Like, I feel like any time you say that, you're in a bad position. I, I, I think people should stop saying that. Yeah. I'm not a yeah. racist. I feel like the moment you say that, they've got you. One of Corlett's colleagues, philosophy professor Robert Francis Scotty, told the Union Tribune, quote, this came out of the blue and there had better be good evidence for removing someone from the classroom without giving them a chance to defend themselves. He is a longstanding expert on racism. He knows what he was talking about. And here's the sin. Here's the real sin, folks. Corlett likes to push students to think about things and he doesn't mind things being uncomfortable. I don't think that's a bad thing, said the professor. Imagine only teaching philosophy and racism, only teaching things people, all people, are comfortable with. Here's a senior student who said, as philosophy majors, this is what we're taught from day one, to use critical thinking. I'm so disappointed in my department in the college. I thought we stood for truth and the pursuit of knowledge. I was under the impression that we respected all views and welcomed diversity. Uh, but yet a professor expresses an unpopular and minority opinion. He's removed from a course on a subject he's been teaching, researching, and publishing on for 30-plus years? So what is life like for these college students when they get out into the real world? Well, it's got to be shocking to at least the large percentage of them who go out into more well-adjusted places. Or, as we've heard, it, it brings hell to your workplace as they uh, at least initially try to uh, have the same standards in your place of work as they were enforcing in college. Just ridiculous. Right, right. And the Union Tribune, who I've criticized in the past, uh, and I should credit this writer, uh, Gary Robbins. It's a good article. It's well-balanced, and it's really well-reported. Um, he mentions that... Uh, San Diego State had a similar controversy in April that we talked about when Robert Jordan, an instructor, uh, a cinema instructor, movie instructor, um, was talking about some of the racist movies of the past and how they expressed points of view that are fairly repugnant now. He said, so a director might come into this and, and understand this is not my point of view I'm describing here, folks. All right. The director might feel like blankety, blankety, blank about black people. And this is how it was expressed in the cinema. Well, again, some student who I believe was unidentified, they're not sure if it was in the class, just took that clip, edited it from the remarks, put it on Twitter, 
And so the university uh, reassigned him, uh, took him out of the classroom. Oh, no. This whole drive-by vigilante, woke Marxist Mao's Red Guard students ruining careers, getting back to my uh, prosecution of the esteemed Mr. Wood, Luke Wood of San Diego State, how are you letting that run your university? How weak are you? How unable are you to articulate an argument that neutralizes those people and what they're doing? Hire me. I'll write it for you. You can't be a slave to that sort of persecution by such mean little actors. Good or he Lord, agrees. get some balls. Or he agrees with them. Or he agrees with them. I doubt that, but I suppose that's possible. I don't know. I don't know. Some people get uh, Stockholm Syndrome. They're so terrorized by these little Maoists that they just figure, I need to comply, and and sooner or later they get used to it, and they kind of like being uh, praised by their overlords. Taxpayer-supported, in many cases, educational institutions that are sending people out into the world that can't be productive to America. Why would you do that? Often hate America. Yeah. Which is granted a, a flawed society, a flawed country, but also a glorious one, one worthy of your pride. Uh, I'm going to talk to a military expert about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast, Armstrong and Getty.com. Armstrong and Getty.